0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv. This is the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. Uh, We were having some, well, I wouldn't say it was a problem with getting on uh, Scott's Facebook page. Uh, The reason I say it wasn't a problem is because the gentleman that does that, our good friend Jonathan, who's a lot younger than you and I, right, Scott? Yes. Yeah, so that's why he's evil he's easier. To, he's able to do that, even though I do take you know, care of technical the stuff.
1: Buttons.
0: Yeah, so we just couldn't figure out how to get into the Facebook page. But hopefully you'll be joining us. If you are coming in from the Facebook page, it's because you were told to come over to biblequest.org to join our program today. So we hope you are joining us today. Um we have an exciting program today. Um let me bring in the panelists. Well, actually, you already know Scott, our program director. Hi Scott, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well.
0: Good, good. And today we have a special guest with us, uh, Joe Works. Hi, Joe. How are you?
1: Hello, Drew. Hey, Scott.
2: Good to be on with you all this afternoon.
0: I'm glad you're able to join us. And uh, Joe is normally uh, with the crew on the Wednesday Bible Quest show. So if any of you watch the program there, you're very familiar with with Joe. And uh, that means Scott and I are going to be in big trouble. For those of you that know Joe. Joe's got an excellent sense of humor, so I just try to feed him feed him some lines. So what we're going to do is we we've asked Joe to come in today to join us the program, uh, to to talk with us on the program, have a discussion. Before we get to that, what Joe's going to talk about though is as usual. If you're coming in on the Bible Quest app, we do want you to participate with the discussion. Click on the the button that says uh, chat or uh, the Q and A button. Either one of those will work, and just type whatever information. Uh, you want to share with us, and we'll be monitoring that and, and bring it to the panelists. So with all of that said, Joe, what are we talking about today now that we put you on the spot?
2: Well, uh, before we say that, let me just say what an honor it is. I, I feel like the the field reporter for the local news channel that's been invited to to go to New York City to be on Good Morning America or something... You know, uh, it's a, such a promotion that I'm on the, the Tuesday afternoon after being on the Wednesday for so long. Do You want me to share that with Jeff tomorrow, too? <laughs> uh, well,
1: I, I, think we, I think we should throw Joe under the bus, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, I've, I've been there before. Mark, uh, Jonathan's tied up. Steven's not available right now. Jonathan's tied up. His wife's having a baby or something. <laughs>
0: I was gonna bring that up but I like I like the way you brought that up or something
1: Um, and so we didn't want people just have to listen to me and Drew and so this morning in our pre-meeting who is the one who is the one number one person that we could think of the man that we wanted to bring in and they weren't they weren't available John Bunting was tied up. So <laughs> second choice, we immediately went with Joe Works. And so, uh, as Drew said, he is our special guest because the special, special one was available. But actually, we're always uh, uh, appreciative of Joe and his work. And he, Joe is such a good Bible student, such a good communicator, uh, such a good friend. Uh, and he's doing so many good things. Um, and i just appreciate you so much and thank you for time for being
2: here.
0: yes yes well, ditto, ditto. Uh,
1: I, I do appreciate the
2: opportunity and it's it's always uh i i hesitate to use the word fun to talk about studying god's word but but it really is it's enjoyable and it's fun and it's challenging and uh you know uh, we are uh, able to to look at our own lives and, and make applications i hope we can do that this afternoon uh, for those of us that are joining uh, those of you that are joining us, uh, if you want to open your Bibles to second Kings, second kings the twenty second chapter. Uh, we'll take a look at a young man named Josiah. Um, and uh, just uh, just recently I met a, a young man who was eight years old. And uh, his name was Josiah, and we had a uh, a chance to briefly discuss uh, this, uh, this text. It, his parents had talked to him about it when he uh, became eight and said, Now, listen, you're not a king, but <laughs> uh, yeah. here are some things that eight-year-olds are capable of. Yeah. An amazing man, Josiah. Um, Did you say if, eight years old? He was eight years old when he became king. Oh, uh, Second Kings 22 and verse 1, yes. Um, and uh, when you think about the fact that he was eight years old and his heritage, his lineage, his father was Ammon, his grandfather was Manasseh, two of the worst kings in Judah. Um, uh, I think if you look at the evil that was accomplished during Manasseh's reign, uh, it is unparalleled for Judah, and uh, he, Manasseh turned his life around at the end, but was unable to change the course for the nation. His son Ammon uh, followed right in the evil steps that he had done and forsook the Lord. Second uh, Kings 21 in verse 21, it talks about uh, 20 and 21. Um, and so then you see this young man comes on the scene. He's eight years old when his, his father Ammon has died. Josiah becomes king at eight. You would think we've got a wicked nation, wicked dad. Yep a lot of wickedness by grandpa, uh, by his grandfather, and, and yet God uses this young man, Josiah, to preserve the nation for a period of time um, and, and make some pretty drastic changes uh, for his generation.
1: And when you think of just really anybody, you, you give a lot of power to somebody and it can really go to their head. You okay. give a lot of power to a young person it could really go to their head and so with that background and then I mean, there's a lot of grown men became kings in Judah and handled it really really poorly so that just all the more remarkable
2: yes uh, that's exactly right uh, it does show us uh, that you know whatever our history whatever our you know we we, we see on these TV shows or whatever, where the the psychiatrist will talk about, well, this is because of what your mom and dad did or whatever. Uh, Maybe one good point to gain right here from the very beginning is we do not have to let those things determine our course of life. Uh, We may have been brought up with bad parenting or grandparenting, um, but we have the opportunity to, to serve the Lord and to be faithful to him we ought not to use those as excuses or or to see those as somehow obstacles that can't be overcome. They may be difficult, but Josiah ought to give us a, a challenge to do what's right, regardless of where uh, our uh, parents uh, sought to take us or, where, or wherever they went.
0: That's a good point because Josiah was, was not a superhuman. He's a, a regular human being like the rest of us, and right. he does not let those influences affect them. So if, if one human being can do that, others can do it as well.
1: I want to throw out a question for you too, just a brief question, but it has to do with this, the, the point that Joe's making here. And just think, you know, what are some things that would be helpful for a person to do in their own mind to choose to be a victor instead of a victim? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's lots of people that are victimized in various ways, some minor, some major, some extremely traumatic, but some people are swallowed up with being a victim, and some people end up leading victorious lives. What are some of the things that you would say to help people with that type of thinking?
2: Mm. To me, one of the key ones would be to say you need to follow the Lord and His example, um, uh, as opposed to just accepting doing what your parents or your older siblings were doing, uh, you, we, we have a great example of a father, our Heavenly Father, and uh, we, we should submit to him above all. Yeah.
0: Would you say any of the, the, the famous, uh, those of uh, famous, of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews to follow that and look at their examples as well, because they have imperfections in their lives like we do, but yet we can see positive things to overcome. Those imperfections.
2: Yep. Good Good point. Yeah. Uh, even, even when good people mess up, uh, they can come back to the Lord and serve him. I mean, it's interesting, even right here in this text, it talks about Josiah in verse 2, uh, that he walked in the ways of his father, David. You know, it doesn't mention Ammon. It doesn't mention Manasseh. It goes way back to David. And he he's the bar, right? That's That's where the bar is set. You're going to be a good king. You're going to be like David. And uh, so goes back to, the, but David wasn't perfect. Um, uh, but when David messed up, he sought the Lord. Uh, he, he repented and, and he tried to, to do what was right. So at eight years old, he begins to reign and he does what's right in the Lord's eyes, of uh, the Lord, verse two. And then we kind of skip both Kings and Chronicles uh skips a period of time and in verse three we get to the 18th year of uh, his reign and he's been doing some uh reforms and and cleaning up the the nation some it seems but at this point then he wants to have the temple uh restored and uh so uh, he has money sent uh to those who would do the work of uh, of fixing up the temple. The temple's been in disrepair for decades from the time of Manasseh and Ammon. Um, what Manasseh reigned 50 55 years um, Ammon uh, only reigned a couple, but we've got almost six decades that the temple hasn't been uh, hasn't been used. And so it's fallen into to disrepair and uh, Josiah wants to make sure that that's gonna be taken care of. So he tells the high priest to get the money, make sure that it's delivered over to uh, those who are gonna be doing the, the, the work. Maybe one of the things in, in Scott's uh, question about what we should uh, do to, to set our course correctly, even if we've been led astray earlier on, maybe by parents or, or whatever. One of the neat things about this text, I don't know it's a major point, but it's a point is like in verse seven, these carpenters and builders and masons that he talked about in verse six, six, that are going to be doing the repair. He says there needs to be no accounting made of them of the money delivered into the hand because they deal faithfully. Mm. Uh, you know, God has provided Josiah with other faithful men around him that he can trust. Um, and, and indeed, they do the work. They, they do a good thing. Um, uh, it would be helpful for us to think about who are we associating ourselves with? Who are we putting our trust in? Who are we confiding in even? Uh, God will provide for those things if we will search for them.
0: I, I want to just respond to that a little bit. I don't want to make, make too much of it, but that's the way the Lord works. That There are people in here who uh, favor the Lord and are on the Lord's side. There's also enemies of the Lord. Obviously at this time, there's a lot of enemies of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you say that Josiah is surrounded by all of that, on both yes. sides, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, it's the ones that are, that are faithful to the Lord that end up being the ones He is working with. And so maybe there's something He notices about them.
2: Right. You yeah, I, I I suspect that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, he's done some investigating, or the Lord has provided him with that information one way or another. Um, uh, he he operates with a lot of, of prudence, with a lot of wisdom and insight uh, in in all of his actions. It seems as if he's he's quite calculated in what he does. Uh, Josiah is, and, he,
0: and he's only twenty six years old when he yeah. takes this job on. And so by this time, he knows the playing field. He knows who's around him, and he is faithful to the Lord. Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: Just a chronology note. Um, it was back in another text, we know that it was back in his eighth year, at age 16, that he set his heart to serve the Lord. Just one comment I would like to make about that is sometimes we hear, and sometimes parents can have this attitude about teenagers. Well, you know, teenagers are going to be teenagers and just expect they're going to be rebellious. They're not going to be spiritually minded. Let them sow the wild oats. Let them do what they want. Then later they can... This is a 16-year-old boy with a lot of temptation put in his lap by giving him that much power and and access Mm. wealth and such. And this 16-year-old decided I'm going to serve the Lord. So don't buy into what is typical. God's not asking us to do what's typical. Mm. God's asking us to be his people.
2: That's a good point. A- a- amen great uh so that's the second chronicles 34 right verse 3 uh where that that's mentioned um uh, excellent point and maybe just from a practical vantage point that's not just in this instance um i i could name a hundred young teenage men who are of this character and caliber um you know there's a lot of lamenting about the future generation. And certainly I have my concerns. I think I have more concerns about my own generation than I do about the next one. Um, uh, You know, it's, it's my generation that has created the next one. Right. Um, uh, But there is a lot of good young men and young ladies out there that are seeking after the Lord and uh, are, are trying to do what's right. And and we ought to encourage, we have to hold their hands up and, um, and, and just recognize them as as capable. They're not the future of the church; they are the church. They, nice. They're they're members. They're 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 part of the body of Christ, and uh, we should recognize their value as God sees it. Yep. Very good. Uh, th- thanks for thanks for uh, putting that in there that's a that's an important factor in seeing where he comes along uh, when he's 16 that's when he starts destroying the high places and getting rid of the idolatrous things and so forth he he begins making that move toward uh restoring uh, worship to to god and so then he's he begins here then in this text in second kings 22 uh making sure that the uh, temple, of the house of the Lord, is going to be taken care of. And as they are working on that, in uh, verse 8, it says, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, your servants gather the money that's found in the house, have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, oversee the house. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed to the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. Shaphan read it before the king. Now, Just think about that for a minute. As they begin to clean up the temple, they find, you know, behind the a table or something, there's a scroll uh, that has fallen off or, you know, whatever. It's in the corner or it's, you know, uh, stuck in the uh, umbrella stand or someplace. And uh, they're like, wait. This is god's word (laughs) and they read it and you can imagine the haste that they would have made to get to the the king and and fairly quickly okay king we're doing what you told us to do but we found this and and you need to listen to this wait a minute
0: Joe, joe are you saying they weren't referring to the word all these years they weren't
2: they didn't have readings in it they weren't paying any attention to god so remarkably, no. You know, during the time of Manasseh and Ammon, uh, the nation as a whole was not serving the Lord. They were worshiping every idol imaginable: the sun, the moon, the stars, creatures, earth, whatever they could think of, other than uh, Yahweh. Uh, they were worshiping. Wow. Um, and so the temple doors have been closed there there's no activity going on inside the, the the house of the lord it's it's just collecting dust there um and so yeah that this word has been essentially lost imagine uh, so, imagined, they, so, so, so they,
0: they must have known that there was such a thing as the word of the lord
2: because he sees something and he goes this is the word of the lord
0: whoa yeah yeah
2: it's 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 helpful maybe to notice that pretty much uh, pretty quickly we are uh, introduced to the high priest uh, and to the scribe and and so there are some faithful members in the nation and again God puts those in contact with uh, with Josiah and Josiah is able to uh, to do with them what he wants and he thankfully chooses to serve God with them quite a contrast to what Joash does, a young king as well, who ends up following after the wrong counsel um, as he gets older. Um, But Josiah, very much, God is providing him with godly people around uh, to do the right thing. I wonder what it would have been like
0: if someone other than this individual found the book and it was someone who doesn't care about it, picks it up and says, oh, that's pretty interesting, but we got our creed book over here. We're going to stick with that. No, there was the paid, yeah. the pagan book or whatever one they're yeah. following. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. That that would have been the that would have been the
1: popular view at that point. Yeah. And there would have been some some retained knowledge, whether in, in some either piece of writing or just what they've been doing or whatever, or or some other documents, because they are in there working on the house of the Lord. Mm. And it's and it's uh the high priest, you know, he knows he's the high priest. So it's not like there's a total vacuum that they don't know anything about the Torah, but it after a period of time in a number of years, you can do things and it just you're doing what was done before, and sometimes you don't know why, and you're not going back to look at the text. And here, oh, yeah, there
2: it is. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. Um, uh, yeah, they. That they have in their hearts to serve god they're getting rid of the the evil casting out the vial and now they're trying to fill in the right things and so cleaning the temple and again god provides the word for them uh they they find a, this scroll there and when they read it uh the the king is is nervous and again he says in, in verse uh, 13. Uh, go inquire the Lord for me, and so they go and talk to uh, this prophetess named Huldah, verse fourteen. Uh, and so again, there, you have the high priest, we have the scribe, we have a prophetess. There are godly people around, but they've not been uh, employed uh, uh, until we get to this reign of Josiah. Can you can you explain his um, mindset or his emotional
0: reaction in verse eleven? What does that mean?
2: Yeah. uh yeah he tears his clothes uh, he is distraught um uh, the idea of, of tearing your clothes is the sense of i cannot tear my heart so i tear my clothes as a manifestation of my torn heart uh, that, that that's that's the best description that i can think of for the the tearing of the clothes um it seems like through the through the scriptures that's pretty consistent with most of the examples i think so would you would you get the
0: impression of that that he didn't he also in his up to his twenty sixth year he did not have the book or a the word of the Lord with him?
2: right, right yeah he he's been instructed somehow again you have the high priest maybe they had some writings um, but they don't have this hmm. uh, and and whatever's in this scroll is going to change their their life it's going to to change their attitude toward it. Um, uh, they they realize the uh, the the urgency of getting things right with God.
0: Um, that kind of reminds me of I, I I was I've been a religious person all my life, not necessarily a Christian. In fact, definitely not a Christian. So I knew about God and I carried out things about God. Went to the temple. Not that I was Jewish, but whatever I was in a denomination. And. So I knew things. I guess I was just taught these things through through my upbringing. But then when I found uh, the Bible, although I always had it, I just didn't read it. Someone brought it to my attention. It's like, I got scared. Would you say that it was something in his attitude here when he,
2: he sees something there? This is now the word of God. He's scared. Yeah. So he has a respect for Yahweh, but he has not heard this teaching that was getting ready to be presented. He has not heard this yet, and when he hears that, then he's like, "Okay, we've we've got to act upon this." And mm. so, yeah, I think that's a good comparison. Which, of course, we need to think about. You know, none of us, I think, would would claim, "Well, I know everything about the Bible. I've I understand it all." And so, as we read, we come across something new. We come across something different. We ought to have the respect for God the love for his word, the desire to please him, and then the, the courage to make changes that need to be made. Um, you know, Not just thinking, well, we're, we've gotten rid of the high places and we're fixing up the temple, isn't that good enough? No, if there's something new that's been revealed, we need to, to make that change like Josiah does here.
1: I wanna offer two illustrations, I'll offer one now and then one after we've gone through more of the text. But uh, there was an older preacher passed away now, used to be down in Virginia, and he would make this point. We need to be more like an archeologist than a museum curator. Hmm. And well, what That's interesting. Makes, instead of, okay, this is what we've learned and noticed so far. And so we're gonna seal it off, put it behind glass, dust it, you know, and uh stand there and let people look at it whereas what does an archaeologist do he keeps digging he keeps digging and when we come to the lord we're as babes you know and and we start off on milk and then we'll go to meat we don't need to get a couple of years into the word and say okay seal it off (laughs) close it up that's all And, and 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 don't don't keep learning keep digging keep learning and I'll offer another illustration as we get to the end. But let's continue and see what's happening in this text. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Joe, before
0: we go on to people that might have come in just recently, we're in Second uh, Kings chapter twenty-two, talking about Josiah, and we're at the point where he discovers the the, the they discover the word of the Lord. For, around what right. verse thirteen or fourteen? You're at?
2: Yes, yeah, so I want I want to look at thirteen here quickly. Uh, so the, I mentioned that, that they send the to find out from of the prophetess in verse fourteen. But the reason why they send this for her is the king says, Go and inquire the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us. Now, this is a book that is ancient. (laughs) Uh, This book has been around for hundreds of years, the scroll, or at least the the original was. I believe we're talking primarily or specifically about the book of Deuteronomy. There may be some room for for debate about that. Um, uh, But I think what they find is the the scroll of, of the book of Deuteronomy. And so that goes back to the time of Moses. But when they read it, they come to the conclusion that God's wrath is against us. They make the application, even though this was a book that was written a long time ago, what it says applies to us. And uh, God's angry with us, and we need to do something about that. What do we need to do about that? Let's find out from the prophetess uh, what we need to do. So in verse 15, she tells them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. That would be King Josiah, right? Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, and so all the words, that the, the calamity, and so when we look back in Deuteronomy, chapters 28 and 29, 27, 28, 29, you have these blessings and cursings uh, that Moses tells, inspired by the Lord, Moses tells tell the people, if you serve me, these will be the blessings. If you don't serve me, if you forsake me, these will be the curses. And it appears that that's what they're reading. Uh, are those curses that are going to come upon the land if uh, if they abandon him? And uh, so uh, those are the things that they've read, and now they're like, oh no, God's angry with us. He's going to destroy us. So she says, you know, those things, uh, the calamity He's going to bring against the people, because verse 17, they've forsaken me, they've provoked me, they've angered me. My wrath is uh, aroused against this place. But, verse 18, to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire this, the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him, thus says the Lord of God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you. Mm. Man, that's powerful. Yeah. Because of what Josiah's attitude was, tenderhearted, humble, uh tearing his clothes, weeping, and, and then seeking after what the Lord would want him to do. Uh man, that's the recipe for being pleasing to God, even in a wicked nation. Um, surely there's some good applications that could be made from that. God, God wants tender heartedness toward uh his word and getting rid of the pride and the arrogance, uh, of, of self. So the promise is that you'll be gathered to your fathers in peace in, in verse 20. Um, maybe mention this, uh, might be as good a place as any, because there's a couple of passages that would connect this. Um, at the time that Josiah is, uh, is king, he has a, uh, I should probably know this, about a second cousin uh, named Zephaniah. Uh, if you look at the beginning of the, of the book of Zephaniah, Zephaniah is a great, uh, I'm going to get it wrong. He's a descendant of Hezekiah. Uh, and, and so uh, you have from King Hezekiah, you go down through Manasseh and Ammon to get to Josiah. But through another lineage from Hezekiah, you come to Zephaniah, and so they're cousins, uh, whatever that is. Uh, somebody can do the, 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 the proper uh, genealogy tree there. Um, uh, but but I they're guess cousins.
0: distant cousins would be. Saying. Yes, that, that's a good
2: way of saying it. And so Zephaniah is prophesying during this time of uh, of Josiah as well. Mm. That's pretty helpful. He's got somebody right there. Uh, to uh, to speak, that may very well be what has provoked him to to seek the Lord, to get rid of the idols, to clean up the house. Uh, you know, you've got the prophetess Huldah, you've got Zephaniah, and a couple of things that Zephaniah says uh, in, uh, see if I can find that little book uh, quickly here, um, in uh, Zephaniah 1, if I can get to it. Uh, easy enough. And in verse 8, it shall, it shall be in the day, in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children, and all such are clothed with foreign apparel. Or in Zephaniah 3:3, 3, 3, her princes in her midst are roaring lions, her judges are evening wolves, uh, that leave not a bone till morning. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people, her priests have polluted the sanctuary, they've done violence to the law uh, the Lord is righteous. He's in our midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Uh, and so Zephaniah is saying, God's going to punish the princes and the prophets and the priests that are abandoning me. And then you come along and you've got the priest and the scribe and the prophetess and the king that are like, Oh, hang on. We need to change our lives. We need to respond to, uh, to these things that God has said. And now even more specifically, they receive from this book, this scroll, exactly what God is going to do to the nation. And uh, they respond to that. And so when he says that you're going to be gathered in peace, that would be comforting considering what Zephaniah had said was going to happen. And that will happen to Josiah's descendants, right? Um, uh, the next couple of generations are going to face this destruction of, of, of Judah. So in chapter 23 and in verse 1, it says, then the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem together. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Now, verse 5, I think, is really helpful in I think it's a good clue of what book it was. I've already told you, I think it was Deuteronomy. Listen to the language that's used in verse three. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments, his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took their stand for the covenant. That's almost a direct quote from several places in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, we think about the, the greatest commandment uh, from Deuteronomy 6, but also from Deuteronomy 10. Um, uh, I'm, I'm mindful of the instructions that are given there in verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? to keep his commandments of the Lord and his statutes. So the language that you have there, commandments and statutes, heart and soul, um, those that's Deuteronomy language. It's not limited just to Deuteronomy. But if you were going to be talking about one of the, the books of the covenant, we would think typically of the Torah, the books of Moses, it really seems like what they're specifically referring to from verse 3, the language that they're using seems to reflect what they've read. And so they're gonna follow the commandments and the statutes with all their heart, with all their soul, and everybody agrees. Yep, that's what we're going to do. Mm. Very impressive change for the nation given by the leadership top-down.
1: I want us to get into some really specific modern day applications in a minute. Mm -hmm. So we got about 10 minutes left. Joe, if you could kind of summarize some of the key points that are coming up in the text and we need to do this, we need to do this. And then I want us to turn and start talking about some specific application attitudes that we can have today.
2: So you're talking about from this point on from, from what's getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to get rid of all of the things that are displeasing to the Lord. They're going to remove the idols. They're going to remove the idolatrous leaders um, uh, they're going to clean out the temple, get rid of all of those things that were, were ungodly, that didn't belong there in, uh, in the first place. Um, and they're going to get rid of all of the altars around. You notice, for example, in verse 12, it mentions some of the people, um, like they're getting rid of the altars that Ahaz had put. They're going to get rid of the altars that Manasseh had placed. They're going to uh, get rid of the high places that came from King Solomon in verse 13. They're going to get rid of the altars at bethel from king jeroboam in verse 15 so for all of these generations and generations of people that had been introducing evil and 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 false worship they're going to get rid of all of that and uh they're going to try to, to clean up um, uh, all of those things that god didn't want them to do and then they're going to begin to keep the feast that God wanted them to keep. And so in verse 21, they're going to keep the Passover and they're going to do it like hadn't been done forever. Uh, verse 22, not since the days of the judges, um, they're, they're going to keep it as, as in, in a very powerful way to do all that's in the law of Moses. Verse 25.
0: I don't want to discredit what you're saying, but it's like they want to, they're going to claim the swamp. Yeah. Now we know what that means today, but I'm talking about back then. the, the, the whole The whole establishment was just, just uh, evil.
1: Certainly. Yeah. So let's think about some application of this today. What might be somebody's attitude? So I'll give a, an illustration. Psalm one forty-five. If you got uh, a Bible that was uh, printed uh, before. The last few decades, uh, you, you're lacking a verse in Psalm 145. The most of the Hebrew uh, scrolls only have 21 verses uh, in in Isaiah, in excuse me, in Psalm 145, and that's notable because it's an acrostic psalm. Okay, it's like the first line begins with Aleph, the next one begins with uh, Beth, and it goes through the Hebrew alphabet but there's 22 letters in the alphabet. There's only 21 verses in this psalm. So it's like finding a child's alphabet book, A is for Apple, B is for Bear, but there's there's no in. You know, obviously there's a page missing. Well, they found that page, they, they found that verse. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, which had their sectarian documents, but also ancient copies of the Hebrew text a thousand years older than the codex most, a lot of our Old Testaments had been made from. Here's this verse that people had been missing. Now, here's, now it turns out, we also had it elsewhere, in the Septuagint, that verse was there, but in Greek, so it didn't start with the same letter. It was in Syriac, and turns out it was in a Hebrew manuscript or so, but it was not known enough that it, it was in our Bibles. And they found it and they put it in. I want you to think about this emotionally. I think a lot of people, if we found, oh, wait, we're missing a verse over here. What's it say? I think the attitude might be fear. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. I hope it doesn't say anything different. Oh, no. I hope we don't learn anything because we've got our museum curator mentality. We've got our little comfort zone. Oh, no. What if it says something different? So it turns out, here's what it said. It's if you look if you've got the ESV, it's now added there at the end of verse 13 in brackets, and that verse is two verses long. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kindness, kind in all his works. Oh, oh he didn't, <laughs> he didn't learn anything. That wasn't Josiah's attitude. Josiah's attitude wasn't you, you found the book of the law. Oh no, that's not what we're doing. And here's the temptation. It's Our problem usually is not there was a verse that got left out by a scribe somewhere. Our problem is that we haven't been looking at it, paying attention, and following it. And sometimes a friend or somebody else points out, hey, this is what they were doing. This is what the apostles taught. And we can get them into the same mode and and so then we start saying things like you know this well if we start doing that that would mean we were wrong before and obviously god was pleased with us before so or we can. what if josiah said if the people look oh look it says we ought to be doing the passover like this well, let's keep in mind that was written back in the time of Moses. You know, it, oh it, yeah, it doesn't apply today. Uh, you know, they had they had just come out of the land of Egypt, so it it was really important for them to do that, but 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 not for us. In other words, the temptation to explain it away if it's not what I already thought, and that's what we need to watch out for indeed what, what a great illustration
2: there from Psalm 145. I uh, appreciate you uh, you mentioning that. I, I don't think I'd seen that before. Uh, that, that's that's quite helpful. Um, but yes, uh, what what things do we have that our religious friends may disagree with us about that, that we need to re-examine? Uh, we need to think carefully about uh, you know it's not just that we want to uh, to correct their misunderstandings. We all want to understand God's word better. Um, it goes back to that tender heart and that humility that Josiah had I was told that very
0: thing Scott that you were explaining when I when I took when I was starting to read the Bible for the first time I was 20s in my 20s I said, wait a minute I, I, that can't be that's not what I was told all my life so I went and took it to one of the authorities in in the, in the organization that I was part of and he said exactly what you just said well, that was written 2,000 years ago, and it doesn't apply today. And I said, well, show me in the, in the Bible where it says it's going to change or not apply today, but that was the answer.
1: Yeah, kind of nothing to see here. Move along, move along. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. James 1, we were talking about this in an earlier study today, receive with meekness mm. the implanted word. Jesus in John 8 said, you don't allow my word to have free course within you. We don't need to, be, need to be putting up these roadblocks. The word is the authority. We're not the authority. A simple way to illustrate that is here's here's Drew, here's Joe, here's myself. We're, we're disciples and we're studying the word. Um, and Joe might point something out. Drew might point something out. I might point something out. What if an atheist wino comes in and he says, not believing it, but just pointing out a hypocrisy. He says, hey, you three, look what it says right there. (laughs) And it's the opposite of what we're doing. What should Drew and Scott and Joe do? Respond to the word. Yes, but it was an atheist wino that pointed out. It doesn't matter. (laughs) If he'd been pointing at today's newspaper, we could ignore that, but the authority is there, not in who points it out? Yeah, good
2: good observation. Um, you know, the, the Book of Acts, uh, we are impressed with the conversion stories there, but but all of those people had to face learning something new about God and deciding whether they were going to to follow it or or not.
1: Um, and, and what are the Bereans commended
2: for? Oh, yeah. so something I heard. And
0: why does the Bible commend? Because they went to the scriptures, the the Apostle Paul was telling them something, and they said, "Well, wait a minute. I'm paraphrasing. Well, hold on. Let me check to
2: see if that's so."
1: Yeah, and they search the scriptures daily to see if it was so.
2: Very good. It's impressive. You know, we look at this the the big picture, the story of Josiah, and I think one of the things that we recognize is when God sees somebody with this tender-hearted, humble attitude he provides them with opportunities and so that's we need to be we need to be like josiah and we need to be looking for josiahs um you know we may be the the holda or the zephaniah or the the scribe uh, that can help somebody uh, we're not trying to prove ourselves right or or win an argument we just want people to know what god wants because like here there were curses coming upon them there are damnations coming upon the world that we don't want them to face. And so we want them to, to escape and, and to to die in peace like Josiah was going to uh, be able to do. And we want
1: to do that too. Amen. Joe, thank you very much.
2: Enjoyed being with you all. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to my uh, lowly place tomorrow, but it, it was good being with you all today. Uh, I think uh, now we need
1: to uh, Contact Don and say that we're glad he was tied up today.
2: <laughs> That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> Joe, really appreciate you coming on. We want to thank all of you in the uh, in the audience who joined us today on Bible Quest. We're happy you were able to be with us. If you have any questions about things that were said today or comments, please go to BibleQuest.org or BibleQuest.tv and click on the contact form. Let us know what you think. Give us some questions, things you'd like to hear. Let's talk about and discuss in the future. Again, thank you for everyone. Have a great day, and Lord willing, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.